What's up, Dan? How you doing? Yo, what's good, man? Okay, I have a question for good you. you. I've been thinking about this a couple of days ago. I reminded myself that this existed. So I have a question for you. Let's see if we're in the same page. When is the last time you've used dental floss? Oh, shit. Put me on the spot here. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fucked up. It's probably like... Right, right before I moved from New York, so it's like a couple months. I got it. I got to fucking change that. Okay, that. floss <laughs> only because because I have this fucking tool, like a little electro like floss thing, like a, that I use instead. Uh huh. But I still just need to actually use the floss because that shit's better. And you know, I have a I have a something from Hero Bust's wife, who uh-huh. she's a like a dentist, and this this soundbite has always stuck with me. She says, if you just brush your teeth and don't floss. That's like if you just wipe your ass cheeks and not the crack. So oh. like you, so you gotta you gotta get. <laughs> oh fuck! Well, here's the here's the deal. I'm pretty sure I've flossed like probably four times in my life, <laughs> and I don't know. It's not in my culture. They never t- teach like you br- you brush your teeth three times a, a day and that's it. But I think now that you're telling me, apparently it's it's pretty important to use dental floss. I, that's, I mean, that's, that's just what I heard. You know, I don't know. Well, I my, just feel like if you don't, if you don't I, eat sugar, you're probably all right. I don't know. I probably will lose my teeth in a couple of weeks, but I should be okay. Uh, welcome to Bucket Stories, man. Uh, let's cue the intro. What's up, guys? Welcome to the 20th episode of Pocket Stories. In this episode, I brought my good friend Dan Ladue. He's a videographer specialized in videography around music artists. He has worked with Marshmello, Steve Aoki, Salvatore Ganache. I never know how to say that name. Uh, Galantis and much more. He's also, let's not forget, the personal videographer of Hero Bus, who's an amazing dubstep DJ. And well, that's it. That's all that I have. So welcome, Dan. <laughs> What's up? How you doing? Good to be here. Happy to have you. <laughs> What an honor. I really feel honored to have you here. I mean, yeah, uh, I've, it's one of those things where like I hear all that stuff and I'm like, yo, yo, I got to give a shout out to Cursa, who was the agency that was staffing me up for a lot of those jobs. So I'm just I was lucky to like be in a be in league with a lot of like cool people who helped put me on to some uh, great opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah, what's up? Good to be here. (laughs) Welcome. Yay. I know a bit about your story, Dan. I know that you've been working with a couple of big artists and that you've accomplished amazing things. But I I honestly don't think that many people know your story. And I think that it's quite an inspirational story in a way. So I would honestly like to know a bit about your story. How did you get to that point? Where do you come from? And what was your motivation to start making videos for artists and doing recap on the industry of concerts <laughs> for sure um well so it's crazy that it, it's this long ago but it, it goes back about 10 years uh i had just i had just graduated college i had a i got my degree in broadcast journalism production so i was doing like newscasts documentaries uh just any type of more like newsy related production And one of my friends in college started this music festival called Lights All Night. 
And so it's just like after everybody had graduated and everything, we hadn't seen each other for a while. Um, we all decided to go meet up at this little festival and just like go party and shit. And so I had, you know, I was, uh, I was working, making really local commercials at the time, like very basic commercials in Montana. And so I like called and sick to work, went to the festival and was like, I had never heard of like Diplo, Flux Pavilion. Like it was my first time like seeing Tiesto, all those people. And I was just like blown away by everything. I was like, holy shit, this is crazy. And then I saw people like running around filming that shit, but like they were working and getting paid to be there. So I was just like, oh, like maybe I could do that. And so I went back home to Montana, filmed any little show that came through there over the course of the year. Um, Calling in sick to more music, calling in sick to work to go to more music festivals. (laughs) And eventually it was just like, all right, I have to like bridge this gap. I can't keep calling in sick and, and going to these festivals. So I, I quit my job. Uh, I moved to New York City because I, I had interned at MTV and I thought that they were going to give me a job. Mm-hmm. So I like I went in and interviewed for this position and I fucking bombed the interview so bad. Uh, so I'd, pro- I'd stayed up all night like writing scripts and probably done too much Adderall and was a little too wired and <laughs> like the interview did not go well. But the person who I interviewed with, her sister through shows or her sister, or like her brother's girlfriend through shows at this venue in New York City. And they're like, oh, we see you have done like a couple little concert things. Like they need a videographer. So that was how I filmed my first show in New York uh, at this place called Governor's Beach Club. Mm-hmm. And then just from there, I kept slowly meeting people and networking. And from there, I started working at Webster Hall in New York City. Um, and while I was doing that, while I was like living on the couch for this band, they're called uh, X Mag, awesome uh-huh. dudes. Uh, so like, if it was, I was living on their couch, trading them videos for rent, essentially, while then like <laughs> wor- working at working at this club on the weekends, doing their videos and just like meeting everybody who came through. And so, because of working at Webster Hall, I like that's how I started networking and meeting all the managers and artists who were coming through there. It was just super, like at the time, like Webster Hall every Friday, Saturday night was just popping. Like it was like the place to be in New York City. It was a festival every weekend, mm-hmm. and so I just got lucky there. And I, I had uh, I met some of the people who, or let's see, I I had been friends with Big Gigantic, and their tour manager linked me up with. Uh, Cookie Monster and Funk Case, rest in peace, Cookie. And so, like, that was. That uh, sorry, was my I, I don't know that much about names. So, uh, can you explain who uh, Cookie Monster and Big Giant are? Okay, yeah. So, Big Gigantic, they're like, uh, kind of like they do. They do like live instrumentation with their electronic music. They have a drummer and then this guy who plays sax, uh, Dom. So, like, they they were friends of some of my friends in Montana. So I hit them up to work at festivals. Cause like that, that's what all of it was. Like you have your contacts, you have to leverage that in any way you can. So like to get into festivals, I would be hitting up big gigantics management. Like, Hey, like it's Hudson project. You guys need a video. And so, and they would have me out do a video for them. I connected with their tour manager. And so uh, their tour manager also tour managed for Funk case and cookie monster. They were like big, big dubstep guys. Okay. Uh, Cookie, Cookie Monster unfortunately passed away a few months ago. Oh, um, and so that that was that was a hard one for the bass community. Um, but yeah, so that was some one of my earlier gigs doing dubstep videos was uh, through those guys. Um, 
And then so from doing stuff with Funcase and Cookie Monster, their tour manager referred me up to Flux Pavilion. And then that was the first bus tour I ever did was Flux Pavilion's Tesla tour, which is like him and Loud Pack, who's now like Kenny Beats killing it on his shit. Mm -hmm. Um, And and then it just everything kept kept growing from there. One tour led to the next and then led to another artist and led to meeting more people. And then everything just like keeps building and building as you like just... uh, yeah, keep making more contacts and growing that network. So after, I just got really lucky and kept meeting the right people. And, and you have to like seize the opportunities you get, make sure you like deliver those videos and deliver good content and don't be a, a shitty person and people will want to keep working with you again. So like, I just, it took a, a lot of years of just networking and building and just keep, just keeping it moving, you know? Exactly. How, how, how Let's see, because you started 10 years ago, let's say, but how much did it start till you got to the point where you were touring with Flux Pavilion, for example? That, so that was probably like four or five years after I first started. So like five years ago now um, was, uh, yeah, so I did that tour with Flux Pavilion. And then af after the Flux Pavilion tour, uh, that was when Hero Bust reached out to me to do uh, their content. And me and Hero Bust worked together for about uh, a little over two years. And then, uh, and then after, and then so, and then he and I stopped working together, uh, kind of like mid 2018, and that was when I started uh, kind of working with this creative agency called Cursa, and they were just like uh, any big client you could think of was probably reaching out to them for content, and I just got lucky that those dudes would fish me out to uh, to work on some cool things like with Marshmallow and Aoki and Florida Georgia Line, so like. It was just one progression of like start working with smaller artists and then work up, work up, work up, and then. Yeah, when I saw yeah, that you but, were so, with so probably about five years, I've been like at the level where like like making cool videos of cool artists where I've been like, oh, I'm I'm proud of these. Okay, that's that's great. Well, but the thing is, it took you five years to get to that point with and and keep on grinding, moving from city to city, trying new things, going onto clubs, go trying the MTV thing, like. It took you five years. You can't expect to manage to get to the to your dream location in a year or two. It really takes a fuck ton of time, and you're the proof of that. And now, well, you're working with big ass clients with, uh, in this case, Curza. But still, it's literally the dream. And uh, for example, you talked to me about the fact that you were uh, working with uh, Hero Bus, and in with Hero Bus, you had the freedom to literally kind of experience and do kind of whatever you wanted because they were exactly searching for nasty stuff and creative stuff because that was the brand of what the, the what the fuck too right that's exactly the dream and I, i'm I'm, I'm, i'm quite excited that you got to that point even if it was after i don't know six years yeah it took a while and like i know i know a lot of other people who uh they rose through the ranks probably a lot faster than i did i um I was I would get hung up sometimes about like oh I just like want to make videos with my friends and like and try and help them build and so like maybe not like always taking the biggest gigs but I would just like work with people who I just I really wanted to work with and we were friends and it was just cool to all help each other and mm -hmm. like a little bit of a collective type of thing um, but I know a lot of other people who are like maybe a little bit more Uh, determined and assertive on the business side of things than I was and who are just like, real, like, yo, I'm like work with the big dogs. And that like, that wasn't always my intention of just, oh, I want to work with the biggest artists. It was just like, oh, I want to help 
my friends grow and we and we could all succeed together. Yeah, the, the the thing that you were prioritizing more working with your friends and people that you wanted to to work with it, it's like and and compared to the other people that grow so fast uh, do, going more for the business side and and strategizing their growth like that's kind of for me in in my case it's like prioritizing what I want to do in this case is YouTube it doesn't make me any money but I don't want to sacrifice my content and my happiness by going for the the things that makes like I don't want to start making dancing TikToks because I know that will make me get some views I want to try to make weird uh, things that don't get necessarily views but makes me happy and in your case you you prioritize your happiness and And what makes you happy right now? Well, uh, not necessarily the thing that will get you the furthest away and the quickest in your growth of your career, but it will make you happy right now. And, and that that's something that I, uh, I do admire a lot of your story. So that's great. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I, it's just, it was one of those things where I had the opportunity to like help just like provide some some skills or some of my friends needed it at the time. And I was just like, Oh, this this is cool to be able to work on music that like or help with music that I really love, even though it's maybe not the most popular. It was just like I was so about everything I was doing at the time. And when you're like when you're really passionate about something and you're really into it, you're just going to put your best foot forward that much more often. So like and and also one time like with working with friends and stuff like it can also just be a great place to grow because like they can be a little bit more trusting with like. Yeah, man, sure. Like, do do your thing rather than having a manager who's coming at you with like, we want specifically X, Y, Z, and you didn't do this and we don't like it. But like, if it's just your friends and it's a looser environment to create, sometimes you can wind up like creating some cool shit. Mm -hmm. And some of my stuff from that era is super cringeworthy if I watch it now. <laughs> like, I didn't know what the hell I was doing with like textures and effects and shit. And so like, well, like, yo, you gotta, gotta learn to start somewhere. And like, I was all self-taught in terms of like After Effects and Premiere and that shit. And in the news realm, they didn't really stress like cin cinematography and everything that much. It was just more like, yo, just go get the shot for the news package and, the, and that's it. So like I had to like learn all the artsier kind of shit myself. Mm -hmm. But like that's, you you know, YouTube University and learning things for yourself is like the best way to do shit anyways now. So you can go at your own pace. You can see exactly what you want. So... Yeah, no. Yeah, that's why I'm jealous of like all, all you younger people who now have like I feel like the way the technology has advanced in the last like 10 years, like the the accessibility and the quality of the equipment and everything has just the has leveled the playing field so much more that like it, like it's just so if you're not making dope content and shit right now, you're almost like selling yourself short because it's so like you just you get yourself premiere, you get yourself after effects, you get yourself a DSLR and then like Boom, That's you're it. Good to go. Yeah, that, and, and, you, and you can crack and download a couple of those things for free. Yeah, so like, uh, it was a, a Mati Hapoya that said in a video. I do remember that nowadays, if you if you are not good at making videos with a camera like the ones that are coming out nowadays, you suck. Like it's <laughs> like you said, the playing field is so low right now. It's so common, like. I'm, my, my camera isn't that isn't expensive. Like my camera costs like 300 euros and I can 
make a living with that camera. I know nowadays I need a better one, but still, the, if, if you don't manage, it's not about the equipment nowadays, and that's what's cool. It's about what you create and, and what you bring to the table in a creative way. And and I, I, I do like that, that it's just not about the fact that you're rich and you can buy the coolest camera. It's how do you use it? What do you do with it? Exactly. That's exactly like, I can't tell you how many times I've been on either like a job for a video, like on a set type of thing, or like at a festival and you see some dude walking by with like some crazy fucking camera package. It's like, Oh my God, that dude has like $20,000 on his glide cam. And then you see the video they put out and it's ass. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then you see the dude who's, who's just got the little like Canon T3i and, and nothing else. And you see what they did and it's just absolute fire. So it's just, it's always up here and, uh, and what you do with it, like mm-hmm. the equipment, like sure, it's nice to get stuff that's 4k and 6k and that will help everything look nice. But if you don't know how to make shit look good on a cheap camera, then like that expensive camera isn't really going to help you in the end. Yeah. Like you're just yeah. going to have like a really expensive, ugly image. So the time has come for you to tell us your pocket stories. Okay. So I've, Yeah, I maybe took this uh, in a literal sense, but like just hearing the word pocket stories, this is what made me think of. And it's just if if I can tell this story and there's an aspiring camera person out there who can take a lesson from it, it's just always, always, always have charged camera batteries in your pocket. If you're on a gig, you that like you better fucking have those. And, And here's why. So it was. End of March 2019, Cursor was just about to start popping off. And those guys were like, hey, uh, Marshmallow's team uh, needs a videographer. And so they, they, uh, they're like, we think you guys would be a good fit for each other. And we're going to link you up. So they sent me out to Las Vegas to work with uh, the Marshmallow team. And uh, he, was, they, he was, had a few big things that week. He was going to be on Jimmy Kimmel Live. And then he was opening up a new club uh, called Chaos at the Palms Hotel. So it was just a few, it was like a nice, it was a big high profile week, a lot of content uh, that needed to be captured. And I was pretty stoked to be working with like the, the biggest artist in the world. And um, <laughs> just thinking about how much I fucked this up, it hurts me still. <laughs> so the very, fir- the very first thing, uh, we, we're at the hotel, get picked up, and the first thing we have to do is go to Jimmy Kimmel Live. So we go to the Jimmy Kimmel Live set. Uh, because it's a, a TV show, uh, it's a union set. So only union camera members are allowed anywhere near anything is happening. So they're like, yeah, all right, Dan, you're here, but like you can't really do much because of the union stuff. So just like go hang out in the trailer. So I go hang out in the trailer and I'm just like kind of putzing around, like not doing a whole lot, just sort of waiting uh charging camera batteries and shit and then all of a sudden the tour manager comes running in he's like oh yo dan like kevin hart's about to be here right now we need you to come take photos and i'm like uh all right so i grab my camera and and run out the trailer and i look down at my camera and my battery light is already flashing and i'm just like oh fuck and so i i get out there and marshmallow's out there he's doing his thing we're just like taking some photos like uh, snapping him away. Uh, he had just partnered with this marshmallow company. And so he had the product in his hand. He was just like throwing them up, doing some goofy shit. So we snapped a few photos, a few videos. 
and then Kevin Hart's SUV rolls up with Entourage, his photographer, his manager, everyone piles out of this SUV. He walks over to Marshmallow, they dap it up. They're like hanging out, talking for a little bit. I snap a couple photos of them together. And then Marshmallow's team is like, all right, give, give Kevin the marshmallows so he, we can take a picture with them. And right as Kevin Hart gets these marshmallows, my camera dies. Oh my <laughs> just, God. And, it's, and so I just, I'm, I'm like, oh shit, let me go, let me go get a, another battery. And the people on Marshmallow's team were like, your camera's dead? You had one fucking job to do? Like, you're fired. <laughs> and so they, uh, and so they're, I'm getting my ass chewed out as Kevin Hart is standing there looking at me like, you fucked up, man. And like him, uh, this dude Carrot Top is like an old comedian. Like, like they're all just looking at me like getting chewed out like, you fucked up, man. And like, so I... I got fired within the very first hour of working with those guys because I fucked up so hard. And, but luckily the dudes from Cursa immediately got on the horn with them and they were like, yo, 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 like, don't, don't fire him. Please don't fire him. Like, this is a huge fuck up. Cause like, oh, I was like, they were like, yo, you had one job to do. And I'm like, you're right. Like oh that, that was all I could say in that moment. I was just like, you're right. I fucked up. This is the biggest fuck up I think I'll ever have in my fucking career. And it was it was maybe the lowest point where I was just like I was so mad at myself. But like luckily the guys from Cursa, they got on with the tour manager and they were like, they're like, don't fire him, please don't fire him. You haven't seen anything he can do. Like please like give him another chance. Please like let let him finish. And like so after like an hour of going back and forth on the phone, like eventually the team was like, all right, we won't fire him. We're like he he can stay and do the rest of the week. But for like the rest of the week, I was just like terrified that i was gonna fuck up and do something wrong again and then just immediately be out but like i crushed the rest of the week we delivered sick photos the video was great all the content was was fire and uh you know they liked it it was all turned in on time and everything like so that that was great but like that first hour was the biggest fuck up i i think i ever had (laughs) in my career like to, to finally be working with like the top artists in the world it, with with like the biggest comedian in the world coming over to like take some photos and my camera fucking dies and I fucked that shit up so hard. Uh, but the one the one redo one redeeming thing of, of of that day really for me was Kevin Hart had his own photographer that day, uh, but he still wound up posting my photo on his Instagram. So uh, I was like, uh, you know, that was like so on the same day I was like, I was like, all right, like. That was still like a minor victory that like they liked that photo enough to share it and uh oh, yeah but that one oh, man just thinking about that i'm like i'm like oh man oh, i no. fucked up so hard oh. that was such a bad story oh my my cheekbones hurt from just imagining being in that situation oh my fucking god that's horrible that's my so, nightmare so always make sure you have fucking fresh camera batteries in your pocket <laughs> or you could just wind up blowing the like the biggest opportunity of your life. It's something so simple. Like I should have had fucking six of them in my pocket. It's like, oh yeah, cool, dead, bop, done. But like, no, I fucked oh, that up royally, dude. So, um, wow. I just like I just want to thank everyone on that one who like stuck their neck out for me and like got it so I could finish the week because like they were like all set to just like get me a fucking flight and send me home. They're like, you're a liability. We're about to be around a bunch of important people. It's an important week. 
Like they're 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 the top artists in the world. You know, they get to demand that level of content and that like level of professionalism from their people. And like, I didn't deliver in that moment. So like, oh my god, I don't know how you're still like standing secure of yourself talking to me like it's nothing like oh my god i can't believe that happened oh fuck <laughs> like that's scary that one hurt dude that one hurt a lot wow but, uh, but, you, know, but, you, you live and you learn and then you just you have 10 camera batteries on yeah exactly you live in fear now <laughs> you will never do that again <laughs> yeah no so That's a that's my pocket story. That's a fucking Bad, amazing pocket story. <laughs> oh my god! Wow! Wow! I, I I'm in shock. I, like because I know what it feels like, and I, I know like like ten percent of that feeling because I've been going I don't know going uh, on my way to a shoot and being like oh I don't have an SD card and remembering oh wait I have one in my in my wallet no problem and that's like 10% of that feeling you had like a 200% of that fucking feeling and imagining being there like oh my god I'm I'm so I'm I'm, I'm amazed that you're still alive <laughs> I mean they I thought I was going to get murdered right there in that moment. He's about to like, it's this new partnership, him and his marshmallow line. And they have this, the world's premier comedian there to take a, pro a product photo right there. I have the, the photo like that tons of people would probably want after that point. And, and I fucked it up. But God like, damn it! I will ne never fuck up a moment like that again. You can bet your ass. So yeah, yeah, you're sorry for all the cursing, but like, I feel like it drives it home. I think that you can use probably four of my batteries for one of uh, the Sony's batteries. You're, dude, you're gonna hate me. I haven't been recording my audio this whole time. <laughs> no worries, dude. I do you can, get it on uh, your end at all? Uh, yes, in a, in a certain way. Like it, it, it gets posted in my YouTube channel. I can download it. I can use it. It won't sound perfect. It will be probably the worst sound I've had till now. And you're the only <laughs> filmmaker that but I've used. On, honestly, <laughs> so apparently uh, me, me fucking up is just kind of a trend. If you haven't noticed this, uh, <laughs> yeah, also, so if you're, if you're going to record on a zoom, you got to hit that button twice. First time it arms it. Second time it, it records. So it's been, a, it's been a minute. Doing the fact that you work on the festival and concert industry and the filmmaking aspect of that, I can imagine that COVID hit you pretty hard. And I would like to know, well, first, what did you lost with COVID? And did you manage to recover yourself? And how are you living with the situation nowadays? For sure. Well, yeah, I figure... There's, there's probably a lot of people with a similar story at this point, but yeah, there was like a that week in March where I just watched every single job I had booked for all of 2020 just evaporate in front of my eyes, and uh, so that so that was that was hard for a little bit, and so during the initial time, like I was, I feel like a lot of people just thought that everything was going to come back a lot sooner, so it was just kind of like okay, you know, like do this for a couple months and like eventually shit will get back. So I like. I started learning piano and I started learning Ableton as just like ways to kill time. And then it just slowly started expanding to more time. And, um, and then like New York city was just like, a was kind of a tough place for a little while just because like everything was closed down and, and it, with everything being such close quarters, like I was living uh, with like two roommates, we were all just kind of on top of each other all the time. So it was just like a, a bit to deal with. 
And, um, mm-hmm. but then it was like, it was a, you know, weird thing happened. Like the George Floyd protests like blew up. And so I went out and filmed those one day and wound up filming a video that like went super viral over, yeah. uh, over the course of like a couple weeks. And like, and so that, like that, like I, I finally caught that moment where I, you know, having a viral video, which that turned out to be like one of the most stressful things of my life. Just like managing all these news outlets hitting me up and like trying to license the video, use the video, and then they'll put the video out on their channel and they'll have like a different caption or a different slug headline that I didn't really like. So I'd have to be calling them up and be like, no, you guys are like spinning this weird, please change this headline, like to suit like what actually happened. Um, So that wound up being like kind of a cool thing, but kind of an intense thing at the same time. And so I just wasn't getting any work for a while. I was just collecting unemployment. I fucking, I went back to Montana to go see my family for a couple months. And while I was there, I was just like, I I need to make a move. So I went back to New York and was there for a couple more months and then packed up and moved to Nashville. And I'm in my new house now in Nashville. Uh, Just like you get a little bit more for your money here. And, uh, and so like the quality of life here is just really great. And then because of that, I'm like, I'm like pursuing a couple new like business opportunities that are not music related at all. So like, because I I mentioned that I'm like gluten intolerant and lactose intolerant. And then like, so I've been kind of like gluten free vegan for a really long time. And in that world, it's not the easiest to get food that tastes really good, Um, especially in terms of like baked goods and desserts and that kind of stuff. And so Tennessee has a really friendly law for that if you for like making food out of your kitchen and then selling it. So me and another friend right now, we're actually, we're about to launch like a delivery gluten-free vegan baked good, like delivery service uh, of which, of which like, so I'm going to do all the, like all the photos, all the video, all like all media promo type stuff. And, and then hopefully we'll just like have a business that we'll get to grow. And then the idea is that, you know, eventually the business will be making money and then I can help like just like fund my own art projects with like this other income that I'm generating from this business. And then and so I'm like I'm making a documentary as we go on, like on starting a new business, because like my my business partner in it all, uh, his name's John Avery. He uh, he was a promoter and would throw shows and things. So right now he's unemployed, too. Um, so I was just like, yo man, I got this idea for a business if you want to do it. And he's just like, he looked at the numbers with me and he was just like, hell yeah, let's do this. Let's give it a shot. So right now I'm like mm-hmm. every night I'm like in the kitchen, like trying to make like gluten-free fucking vegan treats. And I've had some, ha- there's been a bunch of failures, but like the food's finally starting to taste like really good. Some of the documentary stuff we've been filming has been cool. Like we just like, we went and bought a double oven from these really uh, interesting people out like, out in like rural part of Tennessee and like, or like trying to haggle with his German lady to sell like, uh, all her like baking shit that we just bought up like a blender and pans and things. So like, it's just, it's like, it's a, it's just kind of cool pursuing something new for a little bit. And like, and also just like learning more about like operating a business where it's like, cause pricing for videos can be so abstract. And with this, it's just like, yo, this batch of cookies costs this much to make. So we're selling it for this much money. So it's nice approaching things that are a little bit more like just like, uh, yeah, structured, less abstract. Um, So that's one thing I have going on now. Uh, We've just got logos and shit back. So like it's like it's slowly developing. Um, And then just like within the last week, I I guess I like I, I don't know. Well, I'll say it on this. Fuck it. Like because even if shit goes weird, like. 
it's still something that I'm trying and trying to make a push with. But like, I think I'm starting to manage two artists now. Okay. Um, yeah. So like one of one of my friends who I've known for a while, he started or he's in this new like kind of like popier EDM act. And they're just like just getting started. And the guy who's kind of running that, he approached me the other day to manage them. Right at the time, I, I kind of like discovered this rapper I found on YouTube. And he like, I think he severely underplayed. And um, and then now I just have like a huge network to offer people at this point. I'm always connecting people anyway. So mm-hmm. I was just like, I hit this dude up and I'm like, yo, you have a manager? You want one? And so like already today, I'm like sending out uh beat sending him some beats to do like a collab ep with someone i know and i'm like and i'm working on his artwork just changing his spotify bio uh just trying to do all these things to help elevate his brand because now i've been because of what i've been doing now for the last five years i've been constantly dealing with managers telling me on how to make content for their artist and Mm -hmm. so i've been just learning about the way that they've been approaching branding approaching marketing and like putting all these little things in my brain and and while growing all these contacts. So I think um, I have a little bit to offer some some people in terms of like trying to help grow and develop artists. So it's just, yeah, a new thing I'm trying out. Uh, he just like I just his, his, the guy's name, the rapper, he goes by Gary with two R's. Uh, my friend sent him two beats yesterday and he had a verse turned around like within an hour. So he's like he's a beast. I'll, ha- I'll have to send you some tracks when this is uh, when this is over and you let me know what you That'd think. Be- yeah, for like, sure. He's like he's kind of like West Coast hip hop, but then he can like like that like G funk or like even like Mac Dre E forty kind of thing. But then he can like do like Post Malone and like singer songwriter type stuff too. He makes all his own beats. He plays guitar. He's a super fucking talented dude. And mm-hmm. I see him with like oh, he's got like a hundred monthly listeners on Spotify, and I'm like, bro, like I, I see it. You're gonna be huge. Mm-hmm. So okay. like, that's amazing. So I'm tr- so I'm so yeah, so I'm trying like a couple new things that aren't necessarily video related, but like the video everything I've done up now with all this video stuff has helped position me to do these new things. So like now I'm I'm going to try and learn about like publishing and contracts and all those other parts of the music industry and just like yeah, just like learn it all. Okay, but here's the thing, like well I, I see that, well, obviously you lost all of your clients or your projects and the things that you were going to do like every, probably every single filmmaker. And in this case, it's, 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 it's interesting to me because you evolve in a way, not like changing the type of content in video that you create, but more like trying a new thing. And that's quite impressive. Like you starting your bakery, <laughs> gluten-free. And- I know, man. It's, it's, I, I did not think I was going to be going down any of these avenues three four months ago but it's just sort of it's just one of those things where like you try shit out if it sticks it sticks if it doesn't at least you like you learned something and he and he tried something so like right now i'm still like i'm still like collecting mm-hmm. unemployment money and so i'm just taking that money and investing it into this new business and um just yeah. trying to trying to make that shit grow but yeah like i i'm kind of like am i crazy Cause like, it seemed like the obvious thing would have just been like, okay, I'll just go make videos in other places right now. But like, with just like the nature of the world and the way things are right now, like I hate filming shit right now with everybody in masks. Like it, I'm seeing happy people and like, and vibrant faces that are just like having a good time. Like, that's what I love. That's what I, that's what I like. What I loved about filming festivals was interacting with all the people and seeing them have a good time. And so with that being completely removed, I'm like, 
I'm just not having a good time filming all these people in masks. It's so fucking difficult and it's not really content that I'm like psyched about. So I'm like, so with this, with this bakery thing, I can help deliver a little bit of like happiness to people. And with this, with management, I can maybe help take this person like, you know, from being undiscovered to, to running them up and doing collabs with people that I've worked with over the last few years. So I'm like, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely a bit of a pivot, but like, I'm, I'm sort I, one of the things I've worked on in the last couple of years was uh, my own little documentary series project slowly been developing it. I have a couple episodes filmed, but like, I, I never got around to editing it, but like people who I consider like Renaissance people, they just like, they do it all. They wear many hats and they try to just put their little stamp on whatever it is they do. Like one of my friends, he makes like a hot sauce line and then like designs websites and makes beats. So I'm just like, so I've just been inspired by my friends who are like, like another one of my friends who's a rapper. He just, uh, his name's Keanu. He just started his own like vegan ice cream business and he's doing really well with that. He just like partnered with the Philadelphia 76ers to like sell some ice cream at one of their games. He's killing it. So I'm seeing my friends who are artists try these other endeavors and food and other things and being successful at it. And I'm like, yo, like how can, how can I do a little bit of that too? Cause like, um, eventually yeah like you just you kind of see like the margins you can do with these other businesses and you're like yo like there's some serious money here and like and 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 so it's Uh just um like i was saying it's nice to just then like free up your mind to think about other things the next thing you know like you have a video idea because you haven't been stressing oh like i've just been working on video for fucking three weeks straight like the creative juices are like a little bit uh more fluid you know things are flowing a little bit easier here's here's another question uh, how did it hit you? Like, because you, in your case, like probably most of the people, you lost a lot of things when the COVID started. How how did it hit you? Did it did were you like destroyed for a, a couple of weeks, or did you handle it well and you just keep on moving? Keep on I think moving? I, at the start I was handling it fine, but then as it seemed, at the goalpost kept getting moved back, and it was like okay. Here we go. Another month, maybe another month, another month like that. That just started to wear on me. And so like when I started seeing my therapist, she let me know that like like anyone who is working in the music industry who feels like there is a fucking void in their life right now, like like people. And if you've loved your job, you've loved everything you were doing, like you experienced a serious loss, like the equivalent of like like losing like a loved one or a friend. And so like my therapist was explaining to me like, yo, you are like, you, this is a grieving process. And like, it is totally natural for you to like, to feel a certain way about it. Cause like, dude, there was a time where just like thinking about concerts or like watching a fucking YouTube video of like people at a show, like, dude, I would like, I'd get emotional and like, like really miss that shit and like tear up a little bit. And like, um, so she helped me like get through that and like kind of get through that like grieving part of shit to like acceptance and then now it's kind of like that now me moving on and trying other things it's like okay i can't put all my eggs in the basket of just waiting for filming concerts to come back what else can i do um because yeah man i did not i was not handling it for a little while i was just like i saw everything i worked for for so long just like dissolve like a lot of other people did but that Mm -hmm. it's just yeah it's about how you can bounce back and I was not bouncing back well for a little while I was just kind of like like I I was immersing myself in learning how to make beats and just kind of like 
uh, yeah, you know, shit will come back. Shit will come back. Shit will come back. I'll just learn Ableton, which is great. Now I, I like, I know how to make some, some average beats, but like, you know, that wasn't going to like be my next like career thing. So that was just yeah. sort of like me losing or like kind of like escaping a little bit. Um, Ignoring just, your uh, problems, right? Yeah. So just, oh, I'll just, I'll just look, immerse myself in a new skill. Cause that's like, as content creators, videographers, that's like what we do. You know, we go, we just keep learning shit to always improve. So editing video wasn't really doing it for me at the time. So I was like, all right, let me try something else. I do get that. Like in my case, I do remember it was pre, in my case, it wasn't, it was pretty clear what happened. Like I, I had three, I was going to, to go to Mexico and I had three months of just working something that I fucking love, then returning here. And I had like five festivals to work. And I also just landed a big client with uh, the company that makes the visuals for Tomorrowland. And I was so excited. I, I think I even told you and like this, It, it just went everything, five months of, of pure bliss and finally achieving what I wanted, gone like this. And I was like, <laughs> God fucking damn it. Now, now, now what? And I honestly, like, like you said, it's grieving. It's like, it's like having a big loss. And in my case, it was so clear that it hurt that I was like, no, you know what? Fuck this. I need to deal with this. So I said, no, okay. I'm not going to work in any videos. I'm not going to work at all. I'm just going to play video games for two weeks just to, I don't know, deal with it because it, It's a big loss, like you said. Yeah. I, I like how you said, like, it's like losing someone in a certain Like, dude, degree. I mean, like, that was, as, as you can probably relate to, like, that, it wasn't just, like, losing a job. It was losing a whole lifestyle in a way of, there was, my whole life for years was, like, on the road, three, four days out of the week, come home, edit a video, right back out on the road, doing it all over again. Like, I didn't even have time to think and process shit. And then all of a sudden, all this stimulation just got taken away from me and just like kind of like quitting cold turkey. And I was just like, whoa, who am I right now? <laughs> like, it was, it was yeah. weird. Uh, I'm going to say a bucket story right now. So here it goes. <laughs> This bucket story has literally nothing to do with what I was talking about. This It's just another story of my life and I'm going to share with you, Dan. So we, we, um, our connection is bigger, so you know a bit more about my life. Uh, so I come from Mexico, right? And a, a couple of podcasts ago, I talked about the time I got tortured by some kind of a fraternity. I can't really say where it was and how it was because that's the whole point of it. You don't really say what happened. So imagine it happened in a fraternity uh, and I, a couple of podcasts ago, I, I told you how I got tortured. Here's another adventure that happened in that kind of fraternity. I was eating with everybody in the, the lunch break. And after that, I started working towards my, my back, where I, where I left my back. But the thing is, there was no back. My back was just gone. And I was like, what? And there was a little post-it just there uh, saying, uh, the Hunger Games begin. And I was like, okay, this is weird. What the fuck is going on? Where is my bag? And the, the frag guys took it and on, not only took mine, but took three other guys and four other girls' bags. Okay, so the thing is, when you receive that little post-it, it means in the night something is going to happen, a, little, a big activity, right? So when the night arrives, I go to the reunion where every single one of the frat guys and the, the person that were participating in this situation were. And uh, there was a big 
event that exact night and the participants were gonna be me, three other guys and four other girls. And it was gonna be something really interesting. In that place where we participate, you're kind of a senior. Over here is probably the pledges. The pledges, okay, I didn't yeah. know that word, but okay, we were the pledges and there was the seniors and the seniors organized something for us to participate. And the thing is, it's, it's gonna be an elimination contest with different steps and the one that arrived till the end is gonna become a frat guy and not a pledge. It's gonna get um, declared as a cool guy, okay? So here was the game. It was, it, was, it was like around 12 p.m. in the night. It was quite cool and the first step was there was the four guys with everybody a let's say two and a half liters of water um, bottle and the thing was the last one that finishes he will get eliminated and we were like okay but this wasn't like common water this was like a filtered water that was so freaking tough to swallow like you took two glasses of water of that water and it like you were dead so we had to drink two and a half liters of that and it was in the fastest you could so we start chugging 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 that water and obviously we start puking at before half and you were it was so hard but we started going at it going at it because you don't want to lose you want to get declared as a frat guy and you want to win so you start going you start puking you start going start puking and you don't care but you keep going and then uh finally i i, I managed to win and i wasn't the last one but i puked my my whole face up it was <laughs> fucking disgusting but i managed to win the girls did the same thing and then from there we go to the lake where uh, the, the frat guys tell, tell us, okay, there's two glow sticks somewhere on the lake. We don't know where. It can be in the little house. It can be in, inside the lake. It can be anywhere. We, we, and the first people that grabbed it go to the next step. So uh, the thing is, it's, it's pretty freaking cold there. So we were like, okay, okay, let's, let's go for it. Three, two, one. The thing is, if you get the glow stick, if you find it, it's not just finding it. You have to give it to the frat guy, to the leader. And between that step, if someone sees that you have the glow stick, he will beat you to have it. He will destroy you. So it was quite aggressive. And we were like, okay. So I was with my partner and I told her, okay, I go directly into the water. You go search around the lake and in the little houses, okay? So I go inside the lake and it was fucking cold, and it was green, and I couldn't see anything, it was fucking disgusting. Uh, you, you don't really know how it would look, like you don't know if you will see it two inches away from your face, or you can see it like from far away. So you were just searching on water like crazy, and after, and after like two minutes, someone found one, and I was like, oh god damn it, just, there's just one left, I don't wanna lose, I don't wanna lose, but I was like, okay, it doesn't matter, I'm gonna continue. So I keep, and after like 50 meters, 50 minutes inside the water, just keep going, keep searching. I was desperate. I was like, please God, just let me win for once. I'm so desperate. And I was searching and they told us it's from here to here, search it. And I was searching and suddenly I go inside the water, I open my eyes and I see a light. And I'm like, yes! I grab it, I, I go out of the water and he's in front, the, 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 the frat guy is in front of me, I give it to him and I survived. And I was like, yes, finally. So I go to the next step. The next step, this is the final step and it was two, two, one v one. 
Uh, and the one that survives, well, he will uh, win and be declared as a frat guy, okay? There was a place with a lot of mod and a lot of games to play inside the mod, like a pool of mod, like some um, passing and some wheels and stuff like that. And the thing was, it was like a, a parkour thing where you had to run and and the the, the, the uh, go through a lot of mod and the one that finishes first, well, he wins. Like the men fights the other man and the girl fights the other girl, right? Because you wouldn't fight the girl, it wouldn't make any sense. But it gets really intense. So first we start spinning and we go start running. He pushed me, he takes me to the ground and we keep on, I keep on running. I finally made it to the girl, the girl goes and I have a bit of advantage in my, in my team. But suddenly the other girl comes from behind. He grabs the other girl, he puts her down inside the mud, he jumps her and he, she has the advantage. <laughs> and after that, it, it didn't make any sense and I lost. <laughs> after making every single effort that I possibly could, I lost after doing that at the last step. Some, some people, you just got to look out for them, man. <laughs> It was aggressive. It, Damn. it was so sad because I and after that. Yeah, but 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 you you left it out all on the field. You did all you could. Well, yeah, but I didn't win, and I was still the same uh, mortal that I used to be. <laughs> it's okay. We still love you anyway. Yeah, we try. But after, well, I, I lost that day. But then, like a week a week after. I got invited to play that game again, to try my luck again. I tried again and I lost as the first step. I puked and I was the last one and I lost and I was like, God damn it, fuck. And then I, I just never won. That, it, that was my, my bucket story. It's not worth it if you're puking. <laughs> it was intense. That's what I always say. <laughs> it was really intense. It was really, it was so cold. But uh, it was, it, it was uh, funny the way. Uh, look, I never, uh, I never went through any... Um, any like fraternity things like that so i never look i never had to experience any like hazing type rituals mm -hmm. or anything um like the most thing i was ever probably like someone just like yo you have to smoke this like 10 gram blunt to your face and you know well. pass out <laughs> that, was, that was probably the worst hazing i ever experienced in terms of shit stale sounds pretty um. intense <laughs> <laughs> can be can be can, it can be. be depends it can be also a pleasure um. if you look at the bright side well guys this is the end of the podcast thank you dan for coming to this podcast it was pretty freaking amazing your stories so thank you for being here yo thanks for having me felix uh it was a blast and uh keep keep it coming dude this is great what you're doing here Oh, thank you. Well, go follow Dan in Instagram. I will leave it in the description. Thank you guys for listening to this point. And this was Pocket Stories.